Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the penultimate football Friday here on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. It's Trent Condon. And Ken Miller for the next couple of hours to talk sports with you. Appreciate you tuning in uh, here this morning. Here's what we've got lined up as far as the BMW of Des Moines guest list. We will uh, start at the bottom of our number one with our friend Chris Williams from Cyclone Fanatic in Iowa Everywhere. Uh, we will preview uh, the SEC Big 12, Big 12 Challenge. We'll pick his brain on uh, the football games, get his picks on both of those. I uh, look back to the week that was as far as uh, Iowa State state uh, when chris joins us here at about 11 30 at 1205 we'll head to vegas mike palm vice president of operations at circus sports the latest inside the numbers with mike palm and then tom cakert at 1225 to uh put a bow on last night's uh, game in East Lansing and look ahead to Rutgers and where Iowa stands uh, in the uh, Big Ten uh, as they've got a few home games coming up now in a stretch where, uh, boy, 2-2, two and two, I think you'd sign 4-3-1, and one, you'd want, well, if you want 4-0, oh, it doesn't seem realistic. P- Purdue is on it and they looked really good last night against Michigan. Uh, good morning, Trent Condon. How are you? Uh, not too bad. How about yourself? I'm well. Enjoyed basketball last night. Mm-hmm. FS1 was the place to be for it. Uh, the uh, Michigan Michigan State-Iowa game early, and then the collision of the big men in the conference. Dickinson uh, going up against uh, Zach Eady, Michigan, uh, and Purdue. That was a pretty good basketball game, so a decent night basketball-wise. Unfortunately, it didn't end up with uh, uh, with Iowa putting one in the win column. They certainly had their chances. If you entered to win tickets at Fuller Dental, every single one of you went over. Every one of you. Everybody. So I don't know what we're going to do with the tickets, but we still have them. Anyways. I would have to say the closest, right? No, no, I think we'll just give them away. Just give them away? All at right. some point, not yeah. right now. Um, but, um, yeah, so your thoughts. Obviously, they couldn't make a free throw. Mm-hmm. I know, they made six, but they missed seven, uh, which uh, is not good. Three throws were bad. Uh, what happened to Chris Murray when the going got tough? Chris Murray disappeared, made his first basket with, what, 15 seconds gone in the second half, and other than a an air ball and a couple of missed free throws, um, wouldn't have known he was on the floor which is disappointing. Um, your thoughts? Oh, by the way, and Aaron Eulis, how about that? Well, I, I think we're going to separate a little bit with Aaron Eulis. Yes, he scored. Mm-hmm. He was not good. No, but he uh, led his team in scoring, and it's a good thing. What did Robrachi catch him? They were close. Yeah, I think they you, were close. But yeah. yeah, he scored. Yep. But there were so many parts of the game that were, again, a struggle. The missed front end. 0 for 3 from oh, that the free was, throw line. That was brutal. I a turnover at a spot where you can't turn it over, and he turned it over. And yes, he scored. Uh-huh. But I don't think he played well. I think the scoring kind of, it, it's hard. Because yeah, he scored. Mm-hmm. And that's something that he, he doesn't do. He did lead the team. did lead the team, yep. But he did not play a great game. You can say that about a lot of guys, though, to be no, fair. No, absolutely. But he did lead the team and score. Yes, yeah. I have no problem with Sanford's shot at the end of the game. It should have been Chris Murray. He didn't deserve the last shot. He didn't do anything in the second half. Nothing. I got something for you here. Last seven possessions of the game. Chris Murray. Mm-hmm. Touched the ball six times. Took two dribbles. Mm. He didn't want the ball. No, he didn't. If you think that that is the guy that you're drawing up a play for, yeah. that it played awful... No. That have been airballing shots. Right. No, you don't do that. Absolutely. M- McCaffrey not. went the right way. He did. And he drew up a beautiful. It wasn't that well orchestrated. 
Always. No. He is so good at drawing up plays, and, and it drives me nuts mm-hmm. that he doesn't use timeouts. You know why they had to drop a play there? It's because Connor called a timeout. Yeah. He got caught. And without that, That's excellent point. they would not have got anything excellent close point. to the look that they got there. Mm-hmm. It was a well-executed play, beautifully drawn up, pass a little bit low, the second pass also a little bit yeah. low. If he gets in a rhythm, you know I think what, he Trent, it down. That's a great point because if he if he would have had to, kind of not a double clutch because he had to go to his ankles to, to get gather. the basketball. Yeah, he had to gather it. Well, that's, that's the right word. If he doesn't, if he goes right up, who knows? Two dribbles. This is just like his brother last year in the Richmond game. When the going got tough, mm-hmm. he didn't want the ball. Mm-hmm. He disappeared in the Richmond game. He did. And the same thing with Chris. Going got tough. He disappeared, and that's okay. And you can you can count on it getting tough when you're in East Lansing. Absolutely, you didn't get a good whistle. No, nope. it was clutch and grab and garbage, yep. and night. it was a awful. It awful was Michigan game. State basketball in their home building. Yeah, Tom Izzo, along with Bo Ryan, ruined Big Ten basketball. Is there a reason that they haven't won a national championship in 24 years in the Big Ten? Yeah, maybe. it's a long time. Yeah, maybe. It's Big 12 won. has. Yeah, they won back to back. Yeah, ACC has. Right, SEC has. Yeah. But here's the Big Ten, mm-hmm. and year after year, they get six, seven, eight, nine teams mm-hmm. in the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. and high seeds, right? and they fail. And it's because of this garbage, because of this style of play. It doesn't work when you get to March. And Tom Izzo and Paul Ryan and all those coaches and Matt Painter and Rutgers, these are programs that, well, they're not going to call it every time, so this is the way we're going to play. They're going to call awful. it any time. It's not basketball. Time. Well, I want to watch football. I'll watch that from yeah. September through December, the Big Ten. Yeah, That's so, not what this is. Uh, Sissoka, a couple of times. I mean, he ran right through Chris Murray. <laughs> just, Why do we call him Chris Murray? What, what, just, Keegan's gone. <laughs> right, right. Right? There's no confusion on which Murray's on. The, I thought about that last night. When, <laughs> uh, we always say Chris Murray. It's yeah. Murray. Anyways. <laughs> it is not entertaining. It's not a fun style. And it doesn't work for big picture. So this is the time. With the director of officiating now, which is a former official, clean it up. Yeah. Get it better. Because it doesn't, isn't this what you want for your league? New commissioner, don't you want Success. your league to win a national championship? Yeah. Yeah. Don't you want that hanging over your head? Mm-hmm. We got to go back to Bettine Cleves? Mm-hmm. Bettine Cleves hasn't been around for been almost a, long a quarter of a century. It's true. Yeah, here we are. And then we're talking about that. And it's great. No, you have to be better. The league has to be better. And it doesn't work. Clean it up. Because yeah. that was not basketball. Last night. And that's not the reason they lost. Because no, you have they could to be make a free throw. Yeah, make a free throw. Make three and, and they win. It, three more. There's no foul called on Michigan State from t- the 12 minute mark to the three minute mark. Okay, whatever. Right. You got to play through it. But you're used to that. And you absolutely. should expect that. And they continue to drive through the lane. Early on, they're going through the post. That's how the offense is running. And mm-hmm. what do they do? They completely go away from it. I, I just, that was one that is going to sting. That is a game that was so winnable that you had right there because that Michigan State team, they're going to be better. Because we saw it last night. Who was the best player on the floor? Hall. Yeah. And what did he end up playing in the game? 20-something minutes. 25. 25. Well, he's probably going to be playing 32, 34 mm-hmm. minutes mm-hmm. as he gets his feet underneath him and gets his lungs back. That's going to be a much better team because he is the best player on the floor. We talked about that yesterday, and it absolutely came to fruition. Got to play through it. It's not an excuse. Make your free throws. Hit a shot at the buzzer. You win the game. Yeah, you did But chance. it's going to stay. two chances. Because... Are they going perfect to home now over the next three? They're beating Rutgers Sunday, Northwestern, and Illinois, all three of them? That's a tough ask, man. That is incredibly Mm -hmm. difficult to do. Mm -hmm. That's a tough ask. I think you'd sign for two of them right now. Rutgers got a score to settle. And you're not going to beat Purdue. No, You're not going to go there and win to that game. So all of a sudden, you're putting yourself back behind the eight Mm -hmm. ball here 
if this continues at this level. The favorite to win by one at Ken Palm against Rutgers, four against Northwestern, two against Illinois. You win all three of the games? What's a correlated parlay there? Six oh, to one? Big. Seven to one? Probably. Maybe even higher than that? We're, we're talking about like a 15% chance of winning all three of these games. But that's where they are. This mm. one is absolutely going to sting going forward. A winnable game, yep. and you couldn't get it done. And yep. you can point to yourself. Yep, you That's can. what it is. Nope, Don't I make agree. excuses. Don't blame the officials. Blame yourself. You had a winnable game, mm-hmm. and you couldn't get it done. And, and you knew going in that, there, that there's a pretty good chance that the officials aren't going <laughs> yes, to give you the good yes. whistle. It just doesn't happen. It, doesn't. it, it does not happen. I uh, didn't see a lot of Bowen and Dix after that first uh, half. Oh, boy. DeSante Bowen goes in the game, and it's like a chicken with his head cut off. I mean, he, he wasn't ready for that stage. I no, not at all. Dix took an ill-advised yeah, shot. I saw that. I saw your tweet right after. Yeah, it, I mean, it was... Okay, it was a three, but it was just it wasn't in rhythm. It wasn't one of those spots, and they went with the basically six player mm-hmm. lineup. And Tony Perkins, he's at times unplayable himself. I mean, he gets spazzy and out of control. And, and what are you doing out there? So they become a five man team. Yet Sanford still only plays fourteen minutes. Well, foul trouble could put him on the bench, and I don't know what uh, McCaffrey's reluctance was to put him back in the second half. What did Lysakow he tweeted? There's like fourteen minutes or something left. I don't remember what it was, but he sat on the bench a long time mm-hmm. to start the second half. Longer than anybody would have anticipated. Don't want him to pick up third? Who cares? I guess. I mean, I don't know. I've talked to Fran about it. It's been on these airwaves before. Mm-hmm. He can go back and find the podcast. I've asked him the question. Not going to change. He explains it. Yeah. I completely disagree with the way that he explains it, but that is his theory. Yep. That is the way that he does it. Now, late game situations, Fran, please, can you show it again? Please, use a timeout and draw up a play. He doesn't like using timeouts in general. A team has a run, doesn't use a lot of timeouts there. You got them in your back pocket. Use them. Because Boy, he, he drew tried. up a beauty. Oh. What a great, I mean, that throw going far to the other side, into the mm-hmm. other corner, and Sanford was wide. Open. Right. The Michigan State and, defense was so confused. And everybody on that. runs to the ball, and then Sanford's standing by himself. He got a great look. Got a great look. Absolutely beautifully drawn up play. And now, come home and win three in a row. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Mm-hmm. And they came out defensively, intensity. Yes. Was, what was it? 10 nothing? 10 nothing. 10 nothing, yeah. 10 nothing. I got Michigan State at plus uh, 184 at that point. <laughs> <laughs> At least you cash in tickets. <laughs> right. Wasn't all bad for Right, you. exactly. Uh, live betting, always so much fun. But yeah, that's this Iowa team. Are they a tournament team? Yes. I think they'll I think they'll I think they'll sneak in. I think so too. Dayton? Hope not. I mean just get in. Just get in. Right. Just you know in. what? If they go to if they do go to Dayton, we get an extra game. Right, exactly. Right. And as opposed to the Tennessee game when they played them and yeah. a Tennessee team, by the way, so went out to the Sweet Sixteen. Oh my god, they were athletic. And they had a beat. And over time went the wrong way. But you get there, being an 11 seed, it's not an awful thing. It's a great spot to be. Well, Ask Iowa State. Iowa State. It's it's a much better path than being an 8, 9, 7, I could agree seed. with you more. It's a much uh-huh. better path to make a run and get to that Sweet 16 that we've been waiting for. Uh, our buddy Shelby Mast has Iowa as an 11 seed here today. A standalone 11, no play-in beside him? No play-in. Uh, the play-ins right now are Kentucky, Wisconsin, both also 11, so they're close. Yeah. And the 12s are Creighton and Pittsburgh. Clones a 3 with Shelby or a 4 still? He's got them as a 3 in the Louisville bracket with Alabama, Houston, the number 1 and number 2 seeds. 
Well, Shelby, be back with us next week as we will start uh, doing uh, our bracketologist on a weekly basis. But, man, I'm with you, Trent. It just felt like one of these uh, opportunities on the road to steal a win in a tough place to win. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was there for the taking. Sissoko was as physical as, as you would imagine. Hall was the difference in the game. Uh, Walker was, as as advertised, Hauser making big shots. Atkins was good. Yeah, I never mentioned him, but you're right, he was. Atkins and Walker, both those guys, too. You know, late in the game when Michigan State hit their two kind of big shots, they were off the dribble two-pointers with a hand in their face. That's the exact shot you want, a long Mm two-pointer. With a hand in your face, mm-hmm. you just kind of throw your hands up and yeah, say, made it. the defense was good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't... You know what? I thought the defense was good for the most part uh, of the night. Absolutely. They played uh-huh. really, really well defensively. So build on that. Yep. Make that part of the identity. And there was... When Michigan State was going through a stretch and made a run to get right back in the game in the first half, Rebracha right away, he was hollering at guys. He's like, I don't know what he was saying, mm-hmm. but you could tell it was the defense. Did you like the double technical, by the way, Ulis <laughs> and Walker getting it? Garbage. I mean, I, I have no idea what Ulis was saying. We saw him from his back. Well, and they and asked Walker was chirping. I, and I don't remember if the quote was from Ulis or Walker, but one of the two I saw, and they we weren't really saying that much either. I mean, it's Michigan State, Iowa. It's Big Ten basketball. They were just, they were John, and it wasn't anything divisive. That was something said before. And they no, weren't, they weren't standing nose to no, nose. They no. were back, well, in Ulis's case, he was backpedaling down the they floor. They were just talking. It wasn't demonstrative. Right. It wasn't right. what you see from time mm-hmm. to time. It wasn't that. You know, Big Ten officiating, right? Yeah, Big, Big 12 officiating. officiating. College basketball officiating, mm. on and on and on. Yeah, to call that one, it was weak. At least it was a double, right? Not uh, single out one guy. True. Just give it both. I both. guess if there is a silver lining, right. uh, there was. All right, quarter after 11, we will uh, hear from Chris Williams. We'll switch gears. We'll get into uh, Iowa State. Uh, we'll recap their week. The big win over K-State. Look ahead to Missouri. Caleb Grill, should he or shouldn't he? Will he or won't he? Uh, that's going to be a topic. Didn't play since Tuesday. What does that mean? They've got a quick turnaround. I didn't realize this, that Iowa State comes right back and plays again on uh, on Monday night. So, um what do you want to do with uh, with Caleb Grill? Do you want him back for Big 12 play? Maybe he's fine. Maybe he's fine. Maybe this isn't even a debate or a question. Uh, but we'll certainly bring that up with Chris. Uh, Shane's been very patient. Shane, thanks for hanging on. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good, guys. How are you guys today? Well, thank you. Hey, I just wanted to mention to Trent, I think he uh, answered his own question, and maybe you too can't, why Peyton wasn't on the floor, is because of the defense. Yeah. Defense was so good. He was getting beat pretty bad off the dribble. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know, and I agree with Trent with Euless. Uh, you know, he didn't have a great game, but he, I thought he played excellent defense. He did. He did. He, he I was thought he plus, played yeah. excellent defense. And, you know, it, and I, I don't even blame the free throws. Yeah, they hurt at the moment. But when you go three at 17 from three, yep. this, this team struggles when they don't make threes. Mm-hmm. Shooting three woes. At 17, yeah, shooting woes. And, and the biggest part to me, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, they got some really good players, but we held all their players under their average. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, you know? there was so, nobody, though. The leading scorer was Atkins. He had 12. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, yeah, they, I thought our defense was exceptional compared to, you know, our past defenses. But point being is I thought, you know, and I think that's why Euless missed that that free hit that front end. He was short because I, I guarantee he was dog tired from having <laughs> to guard them guys all night. Could have been. You know? Yep. So I I I I mean I'm bummed we lost, but I wasn't expecting to go in there and win anyway. Nope. And they fought, they fought, they fought, and man, if you don't have guards that can shoot that that's our biggest problem. It, it, 
And Ulick had a great night last night, don't get me wrong, getting to the rim, which normally he struggles with. But we have no outside guards that can shoot the ball and, and, and play defense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're kind of stuck. And if we're not knocking down threes and, and Peyton ain't on the floor and, you know, Dix isn't on the floor to shoot, I mean, we all know I love Tony Perkins, but he cannot shoot the three. No. No, not and with any consistency, him, Shane. That's true. Right. Yep. And you take him out of the, you know, you, you take him out. I mean, you don't have to guard him. So then somebody else is getting doubled like Peyton when he is in there. It it, just, it makes it tough. But I thought the kids fought hard. And, and you know, hopefully they can continue that defensive style and, and win these next couple, three games at home. So Thank you, Shane. Appreciate the call. Have a good weekend. Get back to us. Uh, good call. Fair points, too. Defensive uh, box score plus minus. Best defender in the game, according to this metric. For Iowa, you're sp- yeah. For Iowa was Connor McCaffrey. He was a 4.1. Uh, Perkins was a 2.6. And he's right. Samford, minus 4.3. Uh-huh. There it is. I mean, that that's a great point there. Good call from Shane and brings up a really relevant point. In a game like that, that wasn't 85-82. No. It, it was a grinded out kind of yeah. game. That's not the best game for Peyton Samford. Mm-hmm. Boy, he had a look though, Trent. It was, yes, it was the did. right look. It was it was the play call was drawn up for the right guy to shoot the basketball mm-hmm. on that given night last night. All right, uh, so let's just finish with with the basketball. Did you see much Purdue Michigan uh, after that game last night? Yeah, quite a bit. Um, watched that and then stayed on FS1 again all the way into the Arizona Washington State oh, game. Did so you stay for that one? I was checking out. If that. we if we were a, a ratings box at home, uh, that, <laughs> that would be a big one for, for FS1, FS1 last, last night. night. Yeah, because it was oh boy, it just. Watching Edie, yeah, and thinking forward to when Iowa plays them. What do you do? Ugh. Because with Dickinson, they don't have to double. But even but he's the only guy in the Big Ten that you that that, that has a chance against. Maybe Edie. Cliff Amore at mm. Rutgers. Maybe, but he yeah, true. Okay, I'll give you that. Early in that maybe Amore, yeah. So Dickinson did a great job. They didn't double. Dickinson's doing a great job. Well, exactly how about his, how about his, uh, his outside shooting too? Oh yeah, I mean, good God. Does everything you want defensively? Against Zach Eady. I mean, plays it perfectly. Two possessions in a row. And he comes back to the left hand. And he comes up there and he's inches away he's from right the He's right there. Against a 7-1 guy yeah. that's athletic, that is yeah. big. There's nothing you can do. I'm not sure anybody can guard him, Trent. Can't. So it comes down to mm-hmm. foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Comes down to those guards mm-hmm. hitting shots. They're not unbeatable. They're by far the best team in the Big Ten. I think so. But they always just leave me wanting to tick more. Well, they, they get to the tournament. They just they're they're, they're a different basketball team. How about Benetti and Rafferty? By the way, oh, boy, so that's good. a good listen. <laughs> Rafferty flipping a Benetti a little crap. Oh, yeah, they're they're really good together. <laughs> Benetti and Steve good with everybody. Oh, he's a phenomenal broadcaster. He makes his guys. He he, he does, does. He really does. And, and we the, talked about Al Michaels in the wild card game, and he didn't lift Tony nope, nope. Dungy up. Nope. Whoever Benetti works with, and, and he, Rafferty doesn't need lifting. No, he does. But to your point, yes. yes. He adapts uh-huh. to who his color yep. broadcaster is. If Steve Stone's got a night off of White Sox baseball, whoever fills mm-hmm. in there sounds just like it. By the way, did you see that they were without contracts until yesterday? I did. I was Benetti shocked by and that. Stone. I mean, what what are they waiting for? They got it done, and it's a multi year. Mm-hmm. But uh, you got to do everything you can to keep this kid. He's got options. Speaking of that, Joe Davis, mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. What about Benetti now being under the Fox umbrella? Oof. Who would you rather have call a World Series, Joe Davis 
or Jason Benetti. Oh, Jason Benetti. I, I think so, too. I, and here's, to, to be fair to, to, to Joe Davis, I hear Benetti more. Very true. Yes. Right? We don't see a lot of... Uh, I have him on quite a right, bit, but at, right. at that point in the evening, it's... The TV's down because everybody in the house is sleeping. Right, yeah. You know? um, it's more of or a in my case, filler. the old man's turned in for the night. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's Benetti that they're, they're really good. Uh, the other basketball news, Billy Packer. Mm-hmm. Trent, this is going to sound crazy, but what, what was that, that troika... Of Enberg, McGuire, and Packer, mm-hmm. how important are they to March Madness as we know it today? Well, they were on the call for the biggest college basketball game ever, without a doubt. Berg versus Magic. Yep. I mean, it's it still the tournament would have still been the tournament. Yeah. But those three, I mean, it was unbelievable. And 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 three man boosts they don't work. That one did. <laughs> right. That one did, in a big big way. Enberg was phenomenal. Enberg was just. Ter- By the oh way, oh my. I I heard an oh my out of Enberg. There's been a whole bunch of um, Bronco anniversaries because they got nothing else to put on their social media account this week. Uh-huh. And the drive was this week. Um, no, the fumble was this week. Oh, Ernest okay. Biner's fumble was this week. And Dick Enberg and Merlin Olson did the game. Remember Merlin Olson I doing do. football? NBC. They were so good. They were so good. Anyways, Bob Trumpy. Bob Trumpy did a bunch. I liked Bob Trumpy. I did too. I was a Bob Trumpy guy, but I was an Enberg McGuire um, and Billy Packer guy. And Billy Packer, the last of the three to survive, and sadly he passed away at the age of eighty-two yesterday. I guess he's been hospitalized for the last couple of weeks with kidneys and kidney failure. Uh, failure rather eventually took him. But wow, what they meant to March Madness and the growth of the game. I don't think it can be underestimated. I really don't. The uh, biggest rated game, championship game. In college basketball over the last five years was the Carolina Gonzaga 2017. 13.2 share, just shy of 23 million viewers. <laughs> Keep going. Now, to, to, let's, let's, we got to throw this out. I'm guessing the, where you're going, and there wasn't as many options yes. then as there are now, but what did it do? So 13.2, the last five years, that's the biggest one. Michigan State, Indiana State, 1979, a 24 share oh, with 35.11 million Almost viewers. twice as many. Yeah. That's bananas. Now you're right. There wasn't as much going on. Sure. Yeah, didn't have cable. For the most part. You had three channels, maybe right. four. Yep. Five if you had a UFC channel or what? What was what was the old? Uh, oh, what are those called? The uh, other float channels that you got. But yeah, it was for us three, six, and ten, mm-hmm. and sometimes IPTV. We had what did we have? We had six, seven, twelve, and then we got something from Fargo. From Fargo. So who was who were the American broadcasts that you got? Well, for the in the beginning, none, and then we got Detroit TV. Detroit. So I heard somebody talking about this and it was a Canadian and they were from Manitoba. I don't know what part. Okay. They got the Syracuse New York affiliate. In Manitoba? <laughs> right. And they That's the right from Yeah, they thought it was the craziest thing ever. Like, were they supposed to get Rochester, Minnesota, and they screwed up the signal? <laughs> but that, he said growing up, that's what, yeah. for whatever reason, we got locals. Detroit Tigers baseball, Mort Krim, Carmen Harlan, Bernie's not Smilovich. Was it Bernie Smilovich? Who's the no Bernie? Sounds Nicholas. like one of those made up names. No, it's Bernie know. Smilovich. Yeah. Uh, anyway, speaking of made up names, this isn't a made up name. Uh, so you and I are in for a treat. Oh yeah. Uh, maybe that's too over. That's over the top. Oh, yeah, you got me I'll excited. Let you, uh, I'm not sure he's a treat. We have a Super Bowl correspondent. Oh really? From Radio Row, the week uh, the week of the Super Bowl is going to join us. 
at least three times early in the week, toward the end of the week, and one in the middle of the week, and he's going to give us the very latest uh, from Super Bowl 57. Well, that'll be great. You, you'll need some help because I'm going to be off the last couple of days of that week. Well, you know what? I've got some experience working with this guy. Some experience working with the guy. Jimmy B. Jimmy B, oh, baby. no. Brinson's going to the Super Bowl? Well, he's going to be. He's working in, his... in Arizona. Yeah. He sent me a picture. I guess there's a uh, caricature of him and his radio broadcast team in Phoenix. Uh-huh. Told me he's going to be at Radio Row. Love to come on. And then his next sentence was, do you think you can uh, you can get any money out of McRae? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Brinson, but uh, he's no, priceless. he's, he's going to be at uh, he's going to be on Radio Row. So I said, sure, we'd love to have you on. That'll be great. Jimmy B, live from Phoenix Radio Row, our Super Bowl correspondent, Jim Brinson. I How love about it. that. All right, eleven twenty-five. Time for another thousand dollar slam dunk. You can go to kxno.com. Since you're there, you can enter this nationwide keyword contest by simply inserting the keyword check. Uh, into the pop-up box that will appear as soon as you log on to KXNO.com. KXNO.com. Check your chance to win $1,000. Another opportunity coming up about an hour from now. Uh, coming up in five or six minutes, Chris Williams from Iowa Everywhere, Cyclone Fanatic. We'll take a look at Iowa State's week that was. Take a look uh, ahead. Caleb Grill, will he or won't he next week? Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Which home selling team? Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. We take you until 1 o'clock. Let's get Chris Williams in here, Cyclone Fanatic, Iowa Everywhere. Chris, Trent, Ken, how are you? I mean, great. Well, Alan Jackson on the way in. How do you beat that on a Friday? It's tough to do so, right? It really is. We've been saving that yeah. one for you. You put a little pep in your step. <laughs> uh, you know, Everybody's on fire now, man. They're fired up. That's true. I almost introduced you as uh, Dr. Chris Williams because I got such a kick out of your tweets the other night when Caleb Grill was going out of the game and then coming back oh my in. God. <laughs> and you're trying to diagnose him walking off the floor and then finally just, well, look, I give up. I give up. The last time, like he looked like he was like dying. I know he did. He was writhing in pain. I'm like, there's no way they could bring this guy back in. And then he, and then you could tell he would go and jump on the bike, and he'd be back in in three minutes. So yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm done with that. I, I learned my lesson the hard way there. So what about Caleb Grill? Obviously, Monday night Texas Tech. Uh, it's an eight o'clock tip. So quick turnaround. Uh, they haven't played since Tuesday, so he's got some time to, you know, to. I, I mean, I don't know what it takes to get over the back problem that he has, uh, but there's clearly something there, as you mentioned. I mean, he's wincing for crying out loud. What do you do yeah. tomorrow as far as uh, is the SEC Big Twelve challenge? Does he play? I mean, like my gut would be like, no, don't play him, but because you have a Big Twelve game on Monday. Right, so they play, they have to go to Lubbock on Monday night. So you have a one day turnaround, and it's just like, you know, how long is it taking him to recover from these? But I, he'll play. Like I just, I'm really confident that they're not going to keep him out. I mean, I think that 
this seems like a deal. What here's I, I can tell you this much: like the amount of trust that TJ has in Caleb is just uh, it's it's hard for just a fan watching to fathom. But I think you saw it in that game, right? Like I think TJ made a sign to all of us that he'd rather have a Caleb Grill wincing at fifty percent at the end of that game <laughs> than whoever the next option was because he trusts him and he makes everybody else better around him. And I, 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 you know, it's part of basketball. I don't think they lose to Oklahoma state if he's remotely healthy. Yeah. You know, the perimeter defense fell That's off just a lot it. Yep. In, in the second half. And then the ball sticks, um, you know, can like, I mean, it, it, a little bit of a hockey reference, right? The old double assist thing, uh, Caleb, I bet. The ball sticks when he's not in the game. The offense is so much better, even if he's not scoring. So I, part of me, like, the conventional wisdom of me would be, like, sit him, get him healthy, and then have him for the stretch run. But you're also playing so well. I don't think he wants to screw up their, you know, momentum. And Caleb's such a big part of that in so many ways that aren't on the box score either. And And, and I also know him quite well and I mean he he's gonna have to be on a damn stretcher before <laughs> he's not out there how close is Jazz Koontz to coming back and what's the game plan when he gets back out there honestly I thought we would see him by now okay. I I, 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 ju- I just wonder if you know they're they're doing well and there's no need to rush him back get a hundred percent right I think personally um how do you how do you take minutes away from Trey King right now? I don't mm-hmm. think you can. He's doing exactly what you asked. It would be really nice to have Jazz back right now because I think he could even help a little bit with the Caleb situation. Um, he's another one of those guys who, you know, TJ really trusts. He's really efficient, uh, plays good defense, an elite rebounder, the best rebounder on the team before he got hurt. And I just wonder... You know, it, it's going to be matchup driven, but I wonder if this is going to take more away from Robert Jones a little bit. Now, there's mm-hmm. games where Jones is going to have to be out there because of size and whatnot, but like, can can King play the five a little more than mm-hmm. we've seen? You know, there's there's things, that, but I do know. I mean, they're going to have to relearn something because right now their rotation's really set and they're having a ton of success with it. But you can't just not play Jazz. I mean, he's one of your best players before he got hurt, right? Like, so how do you figure that out? We'll see. But I think matchups wise, it it's actually kind of it's kind of fun to think about because then they're going to have a few more, you know, pitches. You can throw a slider if you need to on a guy, right? Like, there's a few more options once he gets back. Uh, when you look at this Missouri team, I don't know how much you've seen them play. I know I haven't a ton, but just looking at their – they got off to such a great start, but they really didn't beat anybody un- until the end of December. And the two wins that uh, everyone hangs their hat on, they beat Illinois. I'll give you that. That's a, that's a nice win. Yeah. And then Kentucky, but Kentucky, I mean, please, they're, they're, not, uh, they're not great by any means. Uh, they get into the SEC play, and, you know, they've lost Alabama, as a lot of teams have. Arkansas, who's ranked as well. I don't think this is as daunting as I want once thought it was Chris, I guess where I'm going with Missouri. I'm with you. I just wish Iowa State was healthy. Mm-hmm. You know that, that that's the only hang up I have on this game. Uh, I think. I mean, you guys talk betting all the time. Let's do it. I think from a value standpoint, whatever that line is, it's the values on Iowa State tomorrow because of you know these metrics and these analytics are so 
tight. It, it, the betting lines are so tied to the metrics, right? And you're right. Like, they've really fallen off. What are they? They're three and four in their last seven mm-hmm. since they beat Kentucky. They're, I mean, they're a nice team. Kobe Brown's a really good He's player. He's really good, yep. Really good player. But, I mean, Iowa State really handled him quite well last year. But that team was awful. I mean, it was clear the writing was on the wall that Lonzo Martin was out. That was a really, really bad team that came to Hilton. I guess the good news is it's like all that considered, this is still a quad one game. So I feel like for Iowa State, it really is kind of one of those not a lot to lose deals because the metrics are all going to have this right around a pick em. I mean, maybe Iowa State favored by one or two probably. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, two weeks ago, I thought this was a total toss-up. I, I, I think Iowa State should be favored in this one tomorrow. It's just, I just wish they were healthy because I do think th- this is when, man, this, this SEC thing's just, just rotten right? because they are beat up, and, and every team in the Big 12 is right now. Like Iowa State could really use a weekend off, I think, but you know, it is what it is. You take it, and I guess I would rather them be going to Missouri than, you know, some of those other trips like Auburn or Vanderbilt or something like that. Like to me, this is still a quad one game and it's a game that I, I think that they should probably win. And you get to see uh, one guy to keep an eye on. Isaiah Mosley saw a ton of him at Missouri State in the MVC. He's been banged up all year long, but he finally shot it well his last time out, hit four three-pointers. He can score, and uh, he's not been a big part of this team because of injury this year. But uh, you're exactly right. Hey, I know you like metrics like I do. Um, I was playing around on Bart Torvik, another one of the analytics sites. I talk about Ken Palm all the time. But I was really surprised by this. The best defensive player, plus-minus box score, plus-minus defensively, is Taman Lipsy. I know he's a good defender, wow. but to already be the top defender mm-hmm. on your team as a freshman, I remember watching him the first time as a sophomore in high school. You tell he's athletic. He could get to the rim. He could do a lot of those things. But just that defensive intensity, and not just that, hustle. Always hustling out there, even as he's the best player on the floor as a high schooler. There's something about the guy, and it just feels easy, to, even as a freshman, it's infectious. Guys just like to play with a player like him. He, yeah, he just, I'll still line for Mots. He just makes winning plays. You yeah. know, like the, he, I, I had a guy ask me uh, before the game the other night, um, he, he said, if you could have one guy to start a team with, would you take Ty- Tyrese Hunter or? Tame and Lipsy, and like I don't think any of us like tonight. Tyrese is a better individual player, like with talent and like with numbers, and you know with all those things. The one thing I said about Taman, and he makes everyone around him better, right? Like everything he does enhances. I'd love to talk to Gabe Kalsher about like how much easier his life is because of a. You know, just a point guard that really is there to share the basketball and like, and and again, like I don't even know what the answer would be with the Tyrese thing because Tyrese is really good player and by all means, again, he's a better individual player than Taman is. But Taman just has been such a breath of fresh air in that sense. Trent, I would have never guessed that either. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I also think it's interesting, like tandems. I don't know if you can look it up, but like Caleb Grill is, he went from being like this just role guy to now he's kind of, 
I mean, I don't want to say he's a better defensive player than Gabe Kalsher. It's pretty close, crazy. but it's closer but he's, than you think. He's right there now, yeah. yeah. And I, like you said, the word contagious I think is pretty good because when you are a freshman like Taman is, and he's an elite-level athlete, we've all known yeah. that from high school, but when you go there and you've got these two upperclassmen who are side-by-side side with you and they're obsessed with defense like Grill and Kalsher are, that's a pretty good way to get indoctrinated into the program, right? Hmm. And uh, these metrics do have Grill a touch better than Kalsher as a defender. Isn't that wow. something? Okay. I there thought Caleb Grill, when he first got here, was nothing more than a three-point shooter. When he yes. first got yeah, here, yeah. before he left. That there wasn't yeah. much to him. I yes. didn't think there was. Yep. This is the biggest surprise out of me in Caleb Grill's game is the defensive side of things, Chris. And rebounding. I mean, his offensive rebounding percentage is crazy compared to the rest of his career. I just I credit it to Caleb. One, he works really hard. Two, he's seen everything. Because you're right. Like That's what his role was on that first team. Yeah. And then he goes to Vegas. And he's a point guard. You know, their point guard gets hurt. And TJ's like, well, I'm going to make you our point guard because I don't have anyone else. <laughs> and then they come back here, and he was kind of just a floater on last year's team, like a, you know, kind of a role guy. And that, like, I, he's just, he's played so much basketball where I just think that when you've got that many miles on you, you, you just, the, the game slows down and your confidence rises and you feel like you can do anything. And I think that that's where, because guys, I keep waiting for Caleb and Gabe to have one of those games where they're like one for 15, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And they just, they aren't doing it. And I, I, I feel like a jerk because I keep waiting on it to happen, <laughs> but I just, I'm starting to feel like this is just who these guys are now. Yeah. And then Holmes will step up, step up and have 27 or something or Shuni who's really coming on offensively. I have uh, a theory on Holmes. What is it? Here's my theory on Holmes is that. If you look at his big games, he I, – I, I don't want to say he's passive, but he, he, he kind of lets the game come to him and gets everybody else involved. His big games have been when everybody else is struggling, like at the end of the first half you saw the other night against Kansas State, and then he gets in that takeover mode in the second half. Like his big games have all been from big second halves. You saw it down the stretch against North Carolina. You saw it down Texas. the stretch the other night against yeah, you saw at Oklahoma, right, where they had that 20-point lead and they, then they couldn't score, and then it became a Jaron Holmes thing, just back him into the lane. And he's he, – it, it kind of – there's like this switch that flips with him where he's all about making everybody else better and doing the team thing, but when they really have needed him, man, that, that to me is his, his role on this team. You know, when I see when I see him playing his best basketball is when Hilton's at its loudest. He seems to react. <laughs> honestly, he seems to react to the crowd. And the the K State game and the Texas game were two of those nights. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. And him and Shun both said that. You know, that was one of the big reasons why they wanted to come to Iowa. They both could have made more money, I'm sure, and done more um, things elsewhere. But they, you know, when you Nothing against St. Bonaventure, but it's just a totally different deal, sure. you know, on, the, on that side of the country. And they wanted to play in these types of arenas, and boy, they're getting that. Hilton's insane this year. It's like at a different level too. I and uh, Trent, you got to get up there and, and sit with me at one of these. Like it, it really is different. And I don't. I've been doing this twenty years. I know. I'm sure that the Johnny Orr days, like people could, but this is just a different type of vibe. And I, I can't put my finger on it. I think it's because of their style of play and whatnot, but it's been really impressive this season. So I know we're going to get your picks for the conference championship games this weekend. Heard an interesting nugget 
couple of members of the Cincinnati staff were part of the Iowa State staff. And obviously, no Brock Purdy very well, some connection to Ohio and a couple of guys there. Do you know that connection? I can't remember what they said the names were, the staff members, if they're coaches or if they're just, you know, uh, some analytical people, whatever it is. Do you know that connection offhand, Chris? I do not, no. But that really doesn't surprise me, though, those Ohio guys. Yeah. They're all... (laughs) <laughs> they, they all kind of stick together. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know that connection. Yeah, was a couple of guys. I don't know if they're grad assistants at Iowa State or something like that. But you're going to have to assume they know a little something about Brock Purdy. Mm. Well, what? Uh, what? Who are you going to pick this week, Chris? I actually, I, guys, I had my bets in last Sunday. I I jumped on the Eagles and got them at a, at one and a half mm-hmm. on circa. And then I also played the Cincinnati Kansas City things. Like I, I, I can't imagine. Anything, we've ever seen anything like it with the moving line the way that it has been. I bet the Bengals' money line at like plus one ten last Sunday night, and I just kind of just kind of sat still. I'm sure I'll do some props and stuff um, when we get closer to kick. It's just I know I'm on the square side there, but I it's just I don't the Burrow thing and like if I I did, I did a really insightful um, conversation with. Sage Rosenfeld this week, and we were talking about Mahomes. And this isn't like, oh, Kirk Cousins hurt his ankle. He's not going to be mobile. Like, such a big part of what Mahomes does. Mm-hmm. But again, if, I feel like I'm on the square side of, of that one. I feel like everybody is going to be playing Cincinnati. But I don't know. Like, they, they impressed me. I thought Buffalo beat them last week with those offensive line injuries. And that, that game wasn't even cool. It was a nope. blowout. So I'm not I'm not touching it. That that whole deal is totally different than Jacksonville. And if if Mahomes is at seventy five percent, sixty percent, whatever, I, I don't want any piece of Kansas City. So I'm on them and the Eagles. I hope obviously I want Brock to win. I just I, I still have nightmares from the Vikings going there a few years ago in the <laughs> NFC championship yeah. game. And I just they're I think those are the best rosters in the NFL going at it, um with those young quarterbacks. So it should be fun, but I just I kind of feel like Brock's you know fairy tale kind of runs out on Sunday evening. It I was hope I'm wrong. It's actually the Eagles staff that has the guys, including Tyler Scudder. Remember that name? He was a defensive quality control coach at Iowa State until this year. Okay, so he knows okay. he knows Brock. Mm. Uh, Chris, great stuff. Appreciate it as always. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Iowa everywhere and Cyclone fanatic. Thank you, Chris. All right. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate yep. you. Take yep. care. Take care. Good to talk to you. Chris Williams, as he chimes in, and uh, I don't know how you can pick the AFC with any degree of confidence. I think it's a guess. I don't think it's a guess. You don't think it is? We'll get to it. All right. Now about an hour from now. All right. We have. Uh, we're going to save a couple of minutes at the end of the uh, at the end of this hour um, to do something that happened. On this date, 1991, it still brings chills when I, when I hear it. I got I to hear it. Uh, we'll do that. We'll take our final time out. Come back. Short segment here. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Mike Palm from Circus Sports. He's got a he's got one opinion this weekend. He'll share Ooh, it with us okay. uh, coming up here and uh, to kick off the second hour of the program. We recorded our Iowa Everywhere, so I know where he's 
money is going. I have officially in our notebook here, as I keep all of our picks in the notebook every single week. And, yes. of course, uh, what we do before each season, I've officially locked my bets in for the week for the NFC Championship and the AFC Championship. So, so you're done. It's in the notebook. Mm-hmm. I am feeling good about where I am right now. I don't have a clue. Well, I haven't had a clue all season. Yeah, um, 36, 65, and 2. There you go. Yes. You want proof? There it is. <laughs> and uh, I have not only climbed above Mount uh, 500, I have now passed that 52.4% threshold. So you are actually making money. Now I am making money. 50%, folks, does not no. make you money. you got to pay the juice. You have to pay the juice. 52.4%. That's where your uh, break-even point. We're just a tick above that. And I can't have a losing record now this year. 54 Yeah, there's only three games left. Yeah. Just three How to go. that? See, maybe I'll call in from Mexico for my uh, Super Bowl so picks. So when, when are you going to be there? Leave that Wednesday. Yeah. And then... You'll well, be- where do you watch the Super Bowl? They've checked on that, apparently. Yeah. Now, again, these are all the wives that are putting all this together, so yeah. should I be a little nervous? Sure, but I'm going to be on vacation. And it's not a kid's vacation. It's a wife Perfect. vacation and a bunch of our friends, so it's going to be fun. But they they have said that it'll be fine. The resort's fine. They're, they have, they'll have the Super Bowl. In fact, they're having something special for us, so we'll be good to go. Awesome. But, but you know, won't people see the commercials in the same fashion? Just a little bit different, right? Well, um, as long as you see the game. As long as you see the game. And uh, for those folks who tuned in on January the 27th, 1991, if you tuned in prior to the kickoff, you heard what, in my opinion, is the... um, This is where the bar is set as far as national anthems go. Whitney Houston, who recorded this apparently the night before, and I don't care. It does not tarnish this uh, performance of your national anthem one little bit. And as we end now, our number one, we'll go back to 1991 on this date. Houston, 1991. 
A tidy 159. It wasn't really. I wonder what the over-under was. Uh, So for those of you who are new to KXNO and haven't listened to the station since its inception, KXNO used to begin its daily programming with Whitney Houston at 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday. Which I thought was a pretty good touch. Yes, it was. All right, hour number two. Mike Palm will kick it off. Circusports.com. Tom Kakert on the Hawkeyes. Trent and I will make our championship picks before we get out of here in about an hour. We're Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO.